Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Jeroen Courthout. He's the CEO of SalesFlare. He's coming all the way from Belgium to join the podcast today. I love my conversation with him for a couple of reasons, one of them being that as a small business owner, there is way too much info out there that's going to make your life too complicated to do your job well. SalesFlare actually helps make things so simple when it comes to managing the relationships you have with your clients and your customers. I also really like talking to Jeroen because he gives a first-hand tangible experience on what does it look like to look at your market, to look at your industry, and actually find a niche that you can step into and solve a problem to build a business. I loved his startup story, but more importantly, I love what he's doing with SalesFlare. Check out this episode. You're going to get some good advice. Here it comes. I'll catch you later. See ya. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. We're bringing you good advice today, and I'm especially excited for today's episode because not only are you going to get some good advice, but for your business, you're going to be getting some tangible tools that you can use to get more sales and, heck, do less work. I'm sitting down with Jeroen Courthout, coming in all the way from Belgium. Jeroen, I'm so excited to be talking to you today. He's the CEO of salesflare.com. Check it out. Jeroen, thanks for joining us today. How's it going? Yeah, likewise, Blake. Very good. good. Yourself? It's good. Well, you know, it's it's morning for me. You mentioned, you know, it's it's the end of your day. And so mm-hmm. I appreciate you jumping on this call uh, at the end of your work day. Um, and I, I feel like my go-to question is always, how's the weather? How are things going in Belgium? Uh, right now, so-and-so. I mean... We it it has been good for uh, for a lot of weeks and now it's uh, it's a bit less, uh, so it's sort of like uh, autumn starting here. I gotcha. And and how's how are things going in Belgium regarding like COVID? Like are things under control there? Are things pretty calm? I mean, what's it look like? <laughs> That's a good question. Actually, since today we have uh, we have the uh, sort of app launched contact tracing app, uh, so people are uh, are massively installing that. Um, our, the situation here is medium. It's not really good, but hospital-wise, it's all under control. Uh, so we don't have, I mean, hospitals are not even feeling a lot of pressure right now, but we can see that this, the amount of infections is going up. Only uh, the population is sort of getting tired a bit with all the measures. So it's a, it's a very delicate balance the government now has to, uh, has to um, like assess and see yeah. where they can actually dial up measures and, and whether people are actually going to follow them. What, uh, what's the contract tracing app? Like, I understand so it's contract a- tracing, but like, what, what, what is the app? Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, that um, Apple and Google have created this sort of API yeah. uh, based on this Bluetooth system that keeps track of uh, IDs of other um, devices. 
Uh, every country is building its own app on top of that. Like in Europe, literally every country has a different app. Hmm. And we have ours since, since today. It was in, um, in a limited distribution first for testing, uh, but now they open it up to everyone. So everybody can now see uh, whether they've been close to someone who had COVID. Uh, and then uh, in the app, there is this thing that you can, when you get a test from your doctor, you can make them scan a code. And then as soon as the test is ready, uh, it comes to your app. So the doctor doesn't need to call you anymore and all that. And immediately also it distributes to everyone you've been in contact with over the past few weeks to say like, hey, uh, your uh, likeliness of having COVID might have gone up. Wow, man. And and it's interesting because like we, you, know, you mentioned Apple and Google, like we've had like this kind of functionality for probably a couple months now. Uh, but... <laughs> you know, Americans are so opinionated. You have people who are like, you know, this is against my rights to, you know, have something like this, you know, throw away your phones, like really, mm -hmm. really intense responses. Um, but, you know, again, that's just typical American. So do, do you guys have a, a sort of app like that already on national? No, level? no. Um, like I said, like Google rolled it out uh, and so did Apple. And I mean, there was like mass hysteria on you know, you're being tracked and mm -hmm. like your privacy is being ruined. Um, you know, people tend to get really uh, exaggerative and over the top on certain opinions. And so uh, I don't know if we even had it, if we have an app, I don't think it would be well received. I mean, I think it would <laughs> really, I think people would be really um, panicky around it. I mean, because we still have people here who think the whole thing's a big uh scam that like it's a yeah. fake it's fake it's not real in fact i just talked to someone the other day who uh, a friend of theirs died and mm -hmm. she was like yeah wow this is um this is like the first time i'm like wow this is a real thing and i was like now <laughs> now it's a real thing like after like millions of people are dead like what anyway it's besides it's besides the point i you know i don't know yeah. if it's a covid podcast but it's no, it's it's, uh, it's that's it's kind of a, a tragedy on that level as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm also a bit concerned that um, the app works really well, but if the people who actually are more likely to violate the rules don't install the app, exactly. Then what is the point of the app in the end? So yeah, let's yeah. see how it works out. Yeah. Well, Yeroon, I'm I'm man, I'm so thrilled to talk about Salesflare. I want to hear, um, and for the listeners, it's so interesting how challenging it is for the new business owner, for the small business owner, uh, and even the entrepreneur, the person getting into business to really know what tools they need to start and grow their business. Uh, you know, obviously you're running Salesflare. It's a CRM. And again, I love this tagline, a simple yet powerful CRM for small businesses selling B2B. Talk to me a little bit about what Salesflare is and how it's different from other CRM tools that are out there. Yeah. Uh, first of all, because you said uh, it's very hard to know what tools you know you need for your business, an approach I would always take is first see um, what you're doing and then sort of see what there's software there that can help you. Uh, because just taking software and building your business around that is probably a, a bad idea. Uh, so first sort of see, I'm going to do this and then like, oh, how can we make that easier with software? Uh, in the case that you are doing, uh, you're a small or medium-sized business and you're doing B2B sales and you're feeling that um, the, the follow-up of your prospects and customers is not always flawless, uh, it's hard to uh, 
keep track as a team. You don't know exactly what's in your sales pipeline. Um, then, or you're using a CRM already, but you're just not filling it out. That's when you need to think Salesflare, uh, and only then. Um, so what we do differently than other CRMs is let me maybe uh, go back to to why we started. So uh, previous to Salesflare, I was actually working in a marketing consultancy, and we used a system uh, called Salesforce uh, internally. Uh, Salesforce is the big CRM system in the world. Um, it was my very first CRM system. Uh, everybody said it was amazing, so I took it very seriously. Um, people told me how to help me organize my sales, so I really tried to use it for that, for sales follow-up. Uh, so really to organize, like I'm going to call that person then, I'm going to touch with these people, this is what we discussed and all that. But I, I didn't manage to do that. It didn't work for me for that. Um, and I saw with my sales colleagues that it also really didn't help them. But our CEO really did love it uh, for doing reporting. Um, so it, it ended up being a system in which we would uh, enter our sales opportunities. Um, so they would know what was in the pipeline. And we would sometimes also put some contacts and companies in there so that we're, they would receive the newsletter. Also, if you made an opportunity, you needed the company. So right. that's, that's all we need, really use it for. And it didn't really help us sell, which I thought was the point of the thing. Uh, but it wasn't. And I, I didn't really do anything with that insight for a few years until I was working with my co-founder in another software company. And we had a lot of leads and we were looking to organize that. We had like, I think, 120. Um, and it was no way we were going to manage that in our heads. Um, and we tried a few things like a, a, an Excel sheet, a Google sheet, and a few CRMs. And we certainly weren't going to use Salesforce because we knew that was not going to solve it. But we noticed that all these other systems, even though they were uh, uh, more focused on sales follow-up, in our own Excel, of course, we built it that way that it really helped us. It always failed. And that was not because it wasn't good software, let's say. Um, but we were failing to fill out the CRM. Um, and we figured that this is a general issue and this is actually the main issue with CRM and it's why so many salespeople hate it is that you are uh, putting a whole lot of time and energy in filling out a system that does in, in many cases doesn't really help you uh, with follow-up either and it, it ends up being a management reporting system. So you're basically spending your time saying to your manager whether you're you're doing a good job or not <laughs> and we thought it we can fix that because we 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 saw that actually the the things we were filling out in the crm uh were things that we did in another system and the data was already there so we would basically uh, get in contact with the customer uh, emailing them and then that email was in our inbox, but somehow we would go into another place and then say, we just emailed this guy. And then uh, they would send an email with an email signature with a phone number and all that. And we started copying these things. Like in the one tab, we had our Gmail. And in the other tab, we had the, our system where we would like copy everything over one by one. Uh, when we called someone, we put that in. When we had a meeting with that, and, and that's in our phone. The meetings are in our calendar. So we figured, what if we build a system that sits on top of all the data that already exists, uh, sort of 
gathers that for you and you just have to curate it. So you're saying, yes, I'm in touch with that company and, oh, I indeed know that person and that person. And then the, the timeline comes in, the email signatures get imported automatically. We pull in some extra information about the company, about the contacts based on their website and email address, like social info and logos and pictures and all that. Um, the, the timeline with all the, the emails, the meetings, the calls, the website tracking, the link, the email tracking all uh, like compiles itself automatically without you having to uh, input all that. Um, and that's what the system uh, sort of does today. So yeah, our, our biggest mission when we started Salesforce was to help salespeople focus on their customers and really follow them up flawlessly and give them that experience that they're the only customer that they're super, super well taken care of with a very easy and automated software system that sort of almost disappears uh, within the, the sales follow-up flow in the background. Yeah. Um, and, and, and avoiding that, they have to spend a lot of time on the software and inputting stuff and doing all this kind of stupid things that salespeople hate and that they actually shouldn't be spending their time on. Um, and that's still our biggest Yeah, you know what's, what's really interesting listening to your, first of all, I, I love this, the origin story because, I mean, I think you've nailed it in terms of, you know, nothing matters more than following up with the customer and connecting with the customer. And like you said, giving the customer that individual experience, but your experience, and I wasn't going to say, it's funny because I wasn't going to say the name of the company, but since you already did, I'll follow up. It's funny your experience with Salesforce, because I also use Salesforce at my last consulting company. Mm -hmm. And my experience was exactly the same as your experience, where it, it, and really for us, it became exactly what you said. We're just building opportunities in it just to track kind of basic information. But really getting to this point where as a salesperson, you're spending more time on data tracking and filling out forms and reporting tools. Uh, and, and I didn't have a manager, but, but I know in many cases, it's like you said, it's like it becomes manager reporting. I have no doubt that Salesforce is great for large, complex businesses, maybe Fortune 500 sizes. It seems disastrous for the small business owner who just doesn't need to be spending, as you pointed out, they need to be out selling. They don't need to be spending all their time, you know, uh, mm -hmm. filling out form after form after form. And so I love how you've sort of married this really important concept of tracking your customers, connecting with your customers, giving good customer service with a very simple approach. And like you said, using the data that's already there rather than, you know, because again, with CRM, I love CRM tools, but it's frustrating how complicated many of them are, uh, mm -hmm. especially when a new business owner doesn't have the time to be, to be messing with it and managing it. Oh, and, and what you said about Salesforce is correct. I mean, it's, it's, it's great for big companies um, because big companies also buy CRMs for different reasons than small companies. Uh, so typically a small company will uh, look for something practical that will help them with something. So you as a business owner, you're like, okay, I need to follow my customers up better and um, I improve my sales, make more sales. While a big company will not think that way, a big company will be like, okay, so we're this huge organization and there's a lot of things we need to organize and we sort of need to um, turn that into software. And our company is so special that we um, sort of need to build that largely ourselves. 
So what Salesforce offers them there is a, is a system with building blocks and a developer platform and all that, and a huge amount of consultants that can build exactly what you want. So it's this system that allows, it's like, let's, let's say a generic system with lots of possibilities and you can build your own thing in there. Um, but the focus on the end user is much less there because they have all these um, like uh, yeah, choices they have to make on that level. Like you, you cannot have a fully customizable system uh, that is also um, supporting every UX flow in the, the way it should like user experience wise. If something is a generic system in which you can build everything, you cannot expect that user experience flows are exactly adapted to to every every user the way it should be. Yeah. So it's a well, different focus. Yeah, yeah. And and just to kind of take the conversation on the other side, I'm really I'm interested in something you said at the start of when you were explaining how Salesflare came to be. You know, you were you pointed out something and, and man, I, I love having guests on the podcast that it's it's clear right from the start that they've been in business, they understand business. Um, and listening to you talk about, you know, how like when you're that first salesperson, you have like all those leads in your head and like, you're trying to keep track of it. Like, which this is so familiar, I'm sure to so many listeners because and I, I have these conversations with people on like, who are you selling to and who are you getting your next, your sale from? And they sort of like have the mental Rolodex, you know, and you can kind of see their eyes glaze over as they're like going through in their mind, like, okay, I have this person, I have that person. In fact, I actually talked to a customer who, um, he was selling to other people and I said, well, who are your top 10 leads? And he started just mentally, he was like, well, I think there's this person. And I was like, aren't you tracking this somewhere? Aren't you like keeping track of it anywhere? And they're like, well, no, I'm not. How do you convince the, the young, and I don't mean like age-wise young, but like the, the life of the business is young. How do you convince the young business owner to move from this sort of off-the-cuff um, you know, uh, and it's not because they don't care, but um, it's off the cuff. It's unstructured. Uh, it isn't very intentional. It's whoever's top of mind. How does the new business owner get convinced that they need something like this and that they need to sort of functionalize their sales process? Mm-hmm. That they need to actually like, because think of it this way, you know, every small business owner, one of their biggest struggles is cash flow. And so a lot of times people aren't paying for this kind of thing because they're thinking, well, I don't really need it. Why does the small business owner really need this? Yeah. First of all, uh, a CRM system is really cheap. Uh, if you compare, like we're in the software business and we build an enormous amount of functionality because there's a lot of expectations about CRM systems. But then if you, if you compare it to some other software systems, uh, like, like colleagues uh, in, in the software as a service industry that build other stuff, they almost build nothing and can charge way more. Uh, and that's because there are so many CRM systems. There's so much pressure in the markets that it always gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. So uh, if you cannot afford the CRM system, then, well, there's, there's probably something off. Um, we have, for instance, a customer that was uh, at the beginning of the whole COVID thing. Uh, I had a customer interview with him last, last year in December. And he shared with me that since they started using Salesflare, they, uh, they gain uh, a million more in sales uh, per year. And that's uh, just, just three guys using the software. 
And then when, when COVID came around in March, they were like, uh, yeah, we need to uh, save some money. Um, you know, uh, we're paying you 105 a month. And, um, you know, with, with this whole virus thing, we're expecting that uh, the economy will come down. So we want to cancel our subscription. And then, and then the moment I got that, uh, I, I answered to him like, so you shared with me three months ago that you're gaining a million uh, per year and there's this 105 a month that you're paying us. And, and I'm like, are you sure this is a good idea? Um, and then he thought about it for a moment and he's like, nah, probably you're right. I should, <laughs> I should keep using it. It's not worth it. But on, on a very basic level, so you can have the whole um, um, numeric, uh, like your sales uh, goes up if you systematize and follow up better and all that. What, what mostly does it for me personally is um, I just hate to disappoint people. And, and that can happen in many ways. So uh, let's say uh, somebody's really interested in, in buying from us and I just forget the follow-up. That's really disappointing. I don't want to do that. If that happens once, I'm, I'm, I'm upset. And I can imagine the customer is upset as well. Uh, I, I, I actually, I, I, like a few years ago, I wanted to buy a car. And I went to, um, um, uh, uh, how do you say, a dealership. Yeah. And uh, I had a long conversation with a guy and he made me an offer all, and all that. Uh, and then afterwards, he never followed up. <laughs> I was like, are you even a sales guy? What, what, what is the point even? You just make offers? Then, then you don't need salespeople and you can have an assistant that just makes a sales offer. And then, yeah. here you go, sales offer, sales offer. So I, I didn't really feel cared for and I just ended up in another dealership, uh, obviously. And, and then there is also disappointing people with um, like forgetting things like, oh, what, what, what did we last discuss? Oh, oh, yeah. oh really? That or, you know, if, if, you, if you cannot keep track of these things and then you just give off the wrong impression with people and they're like, oh, this, this, this person doesn't care, then why are you even in business? Uh, it's, it's maybe hard, but um, if, if you care about making your customers happy with whatever you offer, then I think you should professionalize there a bit and do that in a systematic way and always make sure everybody's super well attended to. So that's, that's my personal motivation uh, and I think a lot of what we do at Salesforce is, is because of that. Mm. Yeah. And I love, you know, I love your appreciation for the customer too, because I, and this is, it's a bit common sense. I mean, everyone knows the customer matters most, but you know, everything that you've talked about is, it goes back to that comment you made on how do you really make the customer feel individually like they matter, you know? And so there's nothing more frustrating than getting on that follow-up call and the person's like, well, yeah, what did, what did we talk about? You're like, what, what is going on? And you're like, we talked for two hours. Like, how do you not remember anything about <laughs> our conversation? But also, man, I, I, I loved your comment on the, the no follow-up from the salespeople. I put out an article on LinkedIn on um, the worst salespeople imaginable. And I, I was talking about like these really slimy, shady tactics that salespeople use but the last point I made was, hey, just as bad as all of these is the salesperson who doesn't follow up. Yeah. And I think, about, I think about salespeople that I've emailed saying I'm ready to buy and they don't respond and they never respond. And I think, well, I guess they didn't really want my business. So 
you know, I, I'm, I'm loving what you're talking about. Obviously, um, you know, you, you even you had such a great call out on the price. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, as for our listeners, as cheap as $30 a month per user uh, to get really what, what Yarun's talking about in terms of this awesome tool. You'll have to check this out. Uh, salesflare.com. Uh, Yarun, just as we start working towards the back end of this conversation, I want to ask you a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey, if that's okay. You know, yeah, that's you, you, you were working for this marketing company. You start talking to your co-founder and you guys start figuring out, okay, there's, there's maybe a gap here that we can fill. And then you did something that, that many people dream of doing. You quit that job and you went and started your own business. What was that like? How did you, how did you first of all, how did you actually physically do it? But second of all, mentally, how did you, like, what's your journey been like? And how have you stayed encouraged? You know, all the stuff that comes with being an entrepreneur. Let's share a little bit of insight of what that journey has been like for you. Yeah. Well, I must say, I've, I've always sort of known that I wanted to start my own thing. Um, that sort of started when I was 15 or 16, I think. I was, I was, I was building websites and I thought, oh, I could do this and build all these amazing websites and sell them to people and people will be happy about them, visit the sites. It's going to be so great. Um, I also, at some point, I had a, a secondhand uh, cell phone business um, where I uh, got phones from one place and then sold them in the other. Uh, and, and that was always in the back of my head, I'm going to start a company. Um, but then, so I studied engineering. They started offering me all these engineering jobs. Not really what I wanted. I want to start a business um, and do stuff with customers. So I went to business school. And then after business school, I sort of felt like, okay, I could start a business, but I know nothing about it. Just what we learned here. So I'm going to go into a, a big company and I'm going to learn how it really is. Um, and I had studied biomedical engineering. And so I figured I'm going to go in the marketing role in a medical company. I ended up at, at Baxter. It's a big American uh, pharma company. Um, and I thought a marketing role would be interesting because I, I would have my own products and would put them in the market and all that. At least that's what I thought uh, because I was in a national organization and I had virtually, well, no freedom. Uh, in how I did that and all. So it's extremely boring. <laughs> uh, so I, I went back to my whole dream of starting a company. Uh, I was building some websites at Baxter and I figured like, I know websites for a while. I know how, exactly how that works. I sort of know pharma now. So why don't I start um, an, an agency that uh, makes uh, websites for pharma companies? And then I talked to a guy in my neighborhood and uh, he said, oh, that's what we do. Nobody's going to believe you. You're a young person. You've never done all that. But if you come work for us, we're going to teach you everything. And um, then you can do whatever you like. And that's actually where I then in that agency slash consultancy, um, I learned a lot about how to work with customers, how to sell projects, how to make offers, how to sell stuff. Uh, all that. It was a, a great experience uh, that I can definitely recommend. Um, so I saw the, the, the inside of a lot of companies and I, uh, there were companies in which I felt great uh, and there were companies in which I felt absolutely shit and I will never uh, forget that. 
uh, a lot to do with with not what I was doing there, uh, but with the culture of those companies and how people would interact with each other. And then it, it kept itching. And I really had to start something, but there was this sort of uh, procrastination going on and I never really knew what to, what to start, uh, which is dangerous. Like you can keep talking about it your whole life and then not do anything. <laughs> um, so at some point I found the Founder Institute and that was very compelling um, because they would basically, their, their uh, thing was, if you start with us, um, then at the end of this program, you will have a company, otherwise you don't graduate. And I was like, okay, they're going to push me into uh, starting a company and I'm going to get the help and all that. So I signed up for that. And I went through the whole program in the end to graduate with a company that seriously had no business model. Uh, like I thought it might have a business model, but but that was good because it really pushed me to go out there to learn a lot of stuff, to meet people. And that's actually also where I met my co-founder. Um, and um, I went part-time at the, at the consultancy, which is something I can also absolutely recommend and to not quit your job right away um, because it's a very, very long journey and it, you might think that it's going to take you a few months to launch and then it might take four times as long as you thought it would. You know, it, it, it's, uh, you, you, you always start with, with huge expectations and mm -hmm. then you need to tone that down, uh, especially in, in, uh, when it comes to how long things take. Yeah. Um, Jeroen, if, so, um, if I can interrupt for a second, I, man, I, your, your story is great and I, I really appreciate what you just said on uh, not quitting your day job because, and I don't, I don't know what the entrepreneurial culture is in Belgium, but in the Americas, um, entrepreneurial culture is very much this uh, dreamy, sexy, uh, you know, burn the bridges, burn the boats, quit your job and jump in and you're going to become a millionaire type of energy. And mm -hmm. it's not uncommon for the new entrepreneur to, and you gave such great, honest advice on it taking longer than it probably feels like it's going to. But mm -hmm. I've known many entrepreneurs who, and I, in fact, even my own story, I remember I was launching my business on October 1st. This was two years ago. And it was going to be a Monday. And that Friday before, I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to get so many customers on Monday. Like, do I need to hire, do I need to hire a salesperson? Like, is this like, what's going to happen? Like, how am I going to handle all this? So Monday rolls around and, uh, there's, I have no calls booked. I have nobody. And then I was like, well, maybe, yeah. you know, it's the first day, you know, it's, it's going to take a day or two, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I don't know if I really got my first meaningful customer for probably about six months or so, but, mm -hmm. but, but a lot of people, they don't, they don't have like an honest look at how long it takes and the journey and more and more as I talk to people like yourself who are, um, who are actually doing the real work, it's interesting how many times I hear that piece of advice that it's going to take longer. Um, it's it's going to be a lot harder than maybe you expect. I just appreciate your honest perspective on it. Yeah, I, I think being an entrepreneur comes with a, a, a little bit of uh, naivete, uh, thinking that uh, it's all going to, you, you see it and it's easy, you know. Oh, I see it. 
that I, it's, this is going to work out and just, it's just this and this and that, this and then. Uh, and uh, it's only when you really start working things out or you start working on it that you learn reality and you see that oh, it's a bit more complex. And, and that's usually where this, uh, where this comes from. Uh, so that very much happened to me, maybe continuing the story a bit. So I had this uh, company I started, uh, which I, I very quickly uh, found out it had no business model. Um, and there was nobody who wanted to work on it with me. So I was asking developers like, hey, do you want to spend time on this? And they were like, okay, how is this going to earn money? And I was like, hmm, like this? And they're like, really? Um, so that uh, I, I started developing myself after a while, which was a huge mistake as well. And at, at some moment, I, I, I gave up. I saw that it wasn't going anywhere. Then I actually started uh, a website for the, the World Cup in Brazil. Uh, my wife is Brazilian and I was making a website like, if you go to Brazil, this is how you organize it and, and all these kind of things. Uh, that was a stupid idea, but I just, I just needed something to di distract myself from the fact that I gave up on the other one. And then uh, I went to a, a startup weekend and um, it was a health startup weekend. So we started a health startup. We, we won the whole thing and we got funding from the government and all that. It was all great. But then it was a team that was compiled at a startup weekend. Uh, so it was not really a, a team that was well thought through and most people had a job and they were like half involved. And at some point I was like, man, this is not going to go anywhere. So I uh, said, guys, I'm going to go sign myself out of all the contracts and when that company by now has raised, I don't know, somewhere between five and 10 million. Uh, so it might've been a mistake, but <laughs> I think I'm having way more fun now. So I met Levin in the Founder Institute. He had another startup project uh, than me, but we helped each other a lot. At some point he calls me and he's like, uh, with my company, he had a few, so it's it confusing. Uh, but uh, he said, with my company, uh, we're going to Vegas. Uh, it's a big IBM conference. We have software that works with IBM. And we have a bunch of technical guys, but we still need a, a salesperson. Uh, would you like to join? I'll pay everything. And I was like working half time at the consultancy. So I, I only had to take a few days off. So I, I, I went with that and I said, oh, sure. That sounds like fun. Just my wife, oh, it's fine in Vegas. And then... Um, it was there that we had all these leads. And then we said, okay, we need to close all these leads. And then we started discovering this issue, which I sort of know, knew was there, but not really. And it's actually when we saw like, oh, there's all this data. Why is it not automatically in the CRM? And, and then I showed my co-founder like, hey, we made this first newsletter. And I showed him like MailChimp and how when you send out an email campaign, you can see who opens, who clicks and all these kind of things. He was like, oh, is that possible? And then we saw a system that did these two things and then things started clicking and that's where Salesforce started. Um, and just to say that when you're already in motion, when you're working on things already, um, businesses will come to you much more easily than when you're sitting on your couch and thinking, hmm, <laughs> which company am I going to start? Yeah. Um, so so the, the advice I would, I would, I would give is, Next to your job, uh, either, whether you're working uh, full-time in moonlighting 
or you're working part-time and spending a, a few days a week uh, on, on, on trying to start something, just start. And maybe the first thing doesn't work out, but you'll learn why it doesn't work out. Get involved in a startup community. Uh, meet other people that are building companies. There's so much to learn from that. I, I, I credit a lot of the success of Salesforce to that. Just There was this... Um, startup community uh, just starting in uh, 2014 when we started up here in in, in, um, in Antwerp in Belgium and we joined that and we spent all our time there and we learned so much there because you're you're taking the same journey and just talking to each other helps so much and then yeah just start businesses make sure you validate them quickly uh, if you fail you fail but you'll 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 get ideas for the next one uh, but just if you want to get on the journey, then do it, but not, not completely quitting your job because that's extremely dangerous. Um, you, you might run out of money so, so fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the truth for sure. I mean, you know, and I, and I, I love what you pointed out too. It's, it's interesting how more and more when I talk to people who they seem to have found this really obvious answer. Uh, and I, and I, I'm not, I don't want to oversimplify Salesflare, but like as you're talking about it and knowing my experience with Salesforce and some other CRM, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is so obvious why your business came to be and the niche that it fits. But whenever we talk about like building a business and like sort of finding that magic answer, it's amazing how many times I talk to people and they explain how it wasn't like this. And I love how you put it, you know, sitting on the couch, you know, um, you're just like, oh, this is what I need to do. But instead, it's this very in in the trenches, iterative process. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, now I'm going to try this. Okay, this isn't working. Now I'm trying this. And it's it's not quite as sexy, I think, as some people present their journey on like digital media. But I think it's very honest. And I think it's encouraging right now for the business owner who's maybe listening, who's thinking, man, it just, it hasn't clicked yet but knowing that this is just one more step towards hopefully that successful product. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fully agree. Well, Jeroen, we are out of time. This has been a great episode. It's been awesome to learn about you, learn about Salesflare. Tell my listeners, what's the best way for them to follow up with you, to engage with you? Um, what does that look like for my listeners? Uh, if you want to find out more about Salesflare, um, it's uh, salesflare.com. Sales is in sales and then Flare is F-L-A-R-E. Um, and you can read about the software there and make a trial. Uh, oh, I mean, I, I really advise if you're going to use any software, really use it first before you buy it. Uh, so the, you can make a trial, set it up, start using it to follow up customers. If you like it, stick with it. If you don't like it, then... Uh, and that's that's okay. Uh, and if you want to um, get in touch with me, um, I'm sure we'll, my name will be written somewhere. You can type that in LinkedIn uh, and then send me a connection request, always adding a message. Otherwise, I cannot distinguish it from uh, the usual spam. <laughs> so true. Uh, well, Jeroen, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this was fun. 
For the listeners, hey, I'm going to put Jeroen's LinkedIn bio, uh, excuse me, the link to his LinkedIn page down in the episode description below. I'm also going to put a link to salesflare.com. Uh, I definitely encourage you, if you've been holding off on trying a CRM tool, or maybe the one you're using right now just isn't working for you. It's, it's kind of like what Jeroen talked about. It's overly complicated. It's not really getting you more sales like you wanted it to. Definitely check out on salesflare.com. Check out their free trial to get a taste of the tool. Uh, and as always, hey, if you've never subscribed to the podcast before, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button so we can keep bringing you good advice wherever you are. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. We'll catch you later. See ya.